Hello, welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl, traveling in Europe with the president. Where is John Carl at any given moment? I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein, back here mining the shop, mining the studio back in Washington, D.C. John, you've been traveling a little bit, been, been a busy couple of days? Uh, I'll tell you, this is two different stories. We've got you in Washington where life is hell uh, for the Trump White House at this point, And I am in Europe where it seems to be going quite well. Uh, this has been a whirlwind trip for the president. Uh, it's been ambitious. And uh, for the most part, Rick, he has risen to the occasion. This has been uh, a welcome break from the mess back home. What's the sense over there? I mean, I it seems like he's having a good time. Do you, are you picking up on that? Is the White House uh, happy just to be away or happy with the feeling that they're actually getting some things done? I've seen senior White House officials actually smiling on this trip. Uh, well, they confirmed. seem to be very much kind of welcoming the uh, welcoming the break. No question about it. Uh, and, and the president, you know, look, he had the first stop in Saudi Arabia, surrounded by the leaders of the world's Muslim nations, uh, giving a very powerful, interesting, what generally well-received speech. He went and got an incredibly warm welcome in Israel from Bibi Netanyahu, did all the kind of iconic visits, the Western Wall, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, went to Bethlehem and met with the Palestinians. And... You know, he went to Rome, met with the Pope, again, incredible images, what looked like a surprisingly warm meeting, given the fact that he was the only presidential candidate that I can recall that actually picked a fight with a Pope during a campaign. <laughs> um, and, uh, and now he is in Brussels at a NATO meeting. Now, you remember, Rick, that Donald Trump as a presidential candidate was the guy who said that NATO is obsolete. He is no longer saying that NATO is obsolete. He says NATO's got an important role to play, particularly in fighting terrorism. And, but despite the kind of nice talk about NATO, he just moments ago addressed the NATO nations here in Brussels, and he was tough. Take a listen. 23 of the 28 member nations are still not paying what they should be paying and what they are supposed to be paying for their defense. This is not fair to the people and taxpayers of the United States. Well, I mean, there you have it. You've got the America first message delivered right to NATO. Now, this is certainly something that you heard as a policy coming from Barack Obama and coming from George W. Bush. Each, both presidents uh, pushed our NATO allies to do more to shoulder the burden of, of, of the collective defense, spend more on, def- on defense. The, the 2% marker is something that was set long before Donald Trump became president. Every NATO nation is, uh, you know, agrees to spend at least 2% of their GDP on, on military expenditures. And as you heard the president say, uh, the vast majority of them don't get anywhere near that 2% uh, threshold. Uh, so he came right here, the belly of the beast, NATO headquarters, and he said, pay up. So th- this is a question for me, John. Th- 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 it strikes me in, in all of these places. President Trump is obviously this huge curiosity about him on the world stage. He came to this trip with impossibly high, almost laughably uh, high expectations that he was going to solve Middle East peace and end Islamic terrorism and change the U.S. relationship with NATO and the G7. Is is this is this Trump 
changing the world or are we seeing the world change Trump? Is he different than he was in the campaign? These all these institutions and these people that he's insulted. Now he tries to be friends with. Or is this or are we seeing Trumpism on the world stage take on its own definition? Well, I think that the first thing you're seeing is that Trump can actually I mean, I agree. There are some laughably high expectations that have been set by Trump himself. But for much of the world, they look at Donald Trump and the expectations are low. And he comes out on the world stage and he exceeds those expectations. He looks presidential. Uh, he gives a serious speech. It's, uh, it's devoid of some of the divisive uh, rhetoric that we heard from him during the campaign. I mean, this is, I mean, I, we can't say it enough, Rick. This is the candidate who called for a complete and total shutdown of all Muslims coming into the United States. Right. And when he did that, there was no exception for diplomats. There was no exception for, you know, uh, the, the, the king of Saudi Arabia. It was a complete and total shutdown until we figure out what the hell's going on. Remember? I so do. So here he was meeting with all of those Muslim leaders that during the campaign he was going to like put the stop sign saying he can't come to the United States. Right. And he was given a fairly warm welcome. I mean, a very warm welcome from the Saudis. Right. That, that, that's incredible to me. It, 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 it's an amazing change in tone, in rhetoric. And I wonder, uh, the folks you're talking to over there, is it that they're nervous about this new president and need to welcome him? Or are they truly refreshed by the style of leadership that he's bringing? It just seems like such a different reaction than you would expect when he ventures for this long trip overseas. One of the senior officials uh, who spoke to, spoke to us on this trip described the president's approach as something of improv. He's got this kind of improv approach to foreign policy. That can scare a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, foreign policy is the most, you know, in terms of, of the policy set by the United States, it is designed to try to be as predictable and as programmatic as possible. Of course, mm -hmm. the course of world events is entirely unpredictable, but the way we approach our relations with given countries, there are protocols, there are policies that have long-standing precedent, and you never try to surprise everybody. Every diplomatic meeting is, you know, everything is negotiated ahead of time. The agreements are, by and large, uh, forged before the meeting and then announced after the meeting. You know, this with Trump, it's not like that at all. Yeah. There's kind of a free form. And that does worry some, but to others, it's refreshing. I think he actually had a conversation at the Vatican, at the Vatican, with the Pope, but also uh, with the Cardinal he met with afterwards, on policy. Amazing. And Amazing. They, the conversation they, they, he never has back home. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and the, the, there were a number of things, but, but I think that the issue that they really went in on to try to change his thinking, take advantage of this improv approach, is on climate change. As you know, of course, the Pope uh, made climate change, you know, battling climate change a big part of his encyclical. That is a big issue for him. He sees it as a moral imperative. Um, and the Paris Climate Accord is something that the president has said that he wanted to trash as, as, as a candidate. He hasn't dropped out of it yet. And the Pope and the Cardinal basically pleaded with the president of the United States to 
not abandon the Paris Climate Accord. Now, we'll see what he's going to do, but what Tillerson told reporters on this trip, Secretary of State Tillerson, is that the president listened, and he is going to take uh, into consideration what the Vatican said, and that he will make a decision. He told he told uh, the Vatican that he would make a decision shortly after returning from this trip about whether or not the United States would stay in or out. It's amazing that something that big, there's a question about whether or not you know, there's a question about what he's going to do. It, it is. It is. It is. On the on the personal level, John, I, we've seen President Trump and and Melania and Ivanka and Jared meet interacting with these world leaders. Uh, the 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 pictures are really striking uh, to see them representing the United States in this way. It it seems like there is warmth there. I know we've seen a lot of stories about how the Saudis worried about making sure his steak was well done enough and that there'd be catch up. And but this hasn't been about diplomatic snafus. This has been about welcoming a United States president and and his family in this very personal way throughout. Has that come through for you on the road that there, that there's a a sense of a new face of America that uh, and his family, the very very much a family affair that's being welcomed right now. Well, I, I think there. Are, I mean, you've you've known Trump for years, and you've had a lot of personal interactions with him, and you know, um, for all the controversy that swirls around him, and all the things that he has said that that, that have offended many many people, you know how personally charming the guy can be, and. He has turned it on on this trip. I think it's clearly had an impact with some of the leaders that he has met with. And I think that, I think that, that, that the president and the, and the first family uh, have been greeted quite well, certainly at the Vatican. I mean, you saw Pope Francis basically cracking a joke with Melania. I mean, would you have predicted this? Uh, <laughs> right, about, you know, about a delicacy this? that we never heard of about before. About Slovenian right? pastries. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, um, so you know it's um, it, it, it's but again the, the, you almost have two different universes here because yeah, you have what's happened yeah. with this trip and it has by and large I mean there have been some hiccups but it has by and large so far unfolded quite well uh, the images have been very powerful the welcome has been warm in each place so far um, but. The headlines back home are brutal. Yeah. I mean, whether it be on the FBI investigation, whether it be on uh, you know the CBO score coming out, uh, you know problems uh, ahead uh, with, with 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 Congress. I mean, you know Comey's uh, agreed to testify right after Memorial Day. The president gets back a couple days before Memorial Day. I mean, this this has been a welcome kind of break, but. You know, it hasn't. It has not changed the overall narrative. Well, and, and we've talked a lot about some, some weeks being the craziest yet. And last week, or the week before, with the Comey firing, it all kind of goes in the blur. This, to me, is the most confounding week because this is the split screen week. This is the week where you see Donald Trump's great promise and these this new image that he brings to the world that, that seems to validate. A lot of the things he said as a candidate, that he's able to go out there and, and engage world leaders and there's a sense of optimism around him despite the rhetoric of the past, that's that's check mark on Trump's side. They get what they want. And yet, and yet, back home, you have a budget that falls with less than a dot. I mean, just absolutely trashed. I don't, And I don't think the administration even knew the math in its own budget. It's an insanely badly, badly written, quickly written budget. In addition to that, a CBO report. 23 million people losing their health insurance. Big campaign 
uh, promises that are being uh, that, that are being broken as part of this health care bill that they're pushing, and an FBI uh, an FBI uh, scandal involving James Comey and a Russia investigation that continues to TikTok. And you, you more details about potential obstruction. It is just. I don't know what to make of that, John. I don't know what to make of those two different sides of Donald Trump, the, 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 the ambitious and charming and, uh, and maybe world-altering Donald Trump, and then the, the petty uh, kind of bumbling domestic side one who's going to be back here in a couple of days with, with just as much of a mess as ever. Well, how about this? Same 24-hour period, maybe, in fact, the same 12-hour period. I'm sorry, Rick. I'm kind of in a little bit of a blur the way we've been traveling. But you had the president coming out of his meeting at the Vatican. In the readout of the meeting, they announced that he had uh, that the, uh, a new initiative, 300 plus million dollars for uh, anti-hunger programs around the world to, to deal with uh, famine and primarily yeah. in Africa, okay? $300 million is a good, it's kind of a, you know, it's not a huge sum of money for a nation like the United States, but it's a, you know, it's a, a specific initiative you can imagine would sit well with the, with the Vatican. He told the Vatican that they would do it. And, um, the same time he is doing that, what is going on back home? The budget is being announced with the steepest cuts, the deepest cuts going to, on one hand, the Environmental Protection Agency, which, of course, is the big issue uh, for the Pope, and to the State Department, foreign aid, basically zeroing out the kind of programs that they just announced an expansion of. Right. By the way, before you, you, think, on, before you, you think on that, I want to... I wanna, play a little bit of sound that kind of captures what I thought probably the most significant part of this trip was the speech in Riyadh. So the first thing I want to play is where he talks about terrorists as barbaric criminals. So it's a a short bite, but the language is important. Listen to this. This is a battle between barbaric criminals who seek to obliterate human life and decent people. So this is a battle against barbaric criminals. The Donald Trump that we saw on the campaign and that we've seen, frankly, in the months since he got, he got inaugurated was not a Donald Trump that talked about barbaric criminals being... I mean, it's terrorists, these are radical Islamic extremists. This is a battle of civilizations. I mean, he, he talked about it like it was much closer to a religious war than a kind of a criminal... Uh, you know, criminal enterprise here, a very different language. But at the same time, and I, I think there was some consternation from some of his supporters, not many because they give him a lot of leeway, about, you know, kind of giving up the kind of radical Islamic terrorism kind of, kind of, uh, kind of label. But at the same time, he did issue a challenge to these Islamic leaders, a challenge to drive out the terrorists in their midst. Listen to this. A better future is only possible if your nations drive out the terrorists and drive out the extremists. Drive them out. Drive them out of your places of worship. Drive them out of your communities. Drive them out of your holy land. And drive them out of this earth. So... While he didn't, while he backed off the kind of rhetoric that made this sound like a battle of civilizations or a battle of religions, he, he, he did issue a direct challenge to those that were right in front of them, right in front of him as he was speaking, uh, to take a lead 
in the war on terror. That this is not just the United States war. This is a war that needs to be led as well by the leaders of the world's greatest Islamic nations. And 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 he watched his words carefully. Again, that's that side of Donald Trump. Uh, and then, of course, in the middle of this, a terrorist attack happens. In Teleprompter Manchester, helps. I mean, to right? Be and in Manchester, a terrorist attack happens. And 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 what what's the re- the response there is that they're losers. And you get that other kind of visceral Trump uh, and that other angle of Donald Trump coming through. That it, that to me defines so much of the split screen and the and the two different sides and two different faces of of President Trump. It, it is so striking to see those differences. And and you've been there firsthand on 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 one of the more memorable foreign trips that I think you'll see under any White House. Rick, I, I, I'm here. My bus is going to leave, and I'm going to be left in Brussels if I don't. If don't I don't, don't let that my happen. Next stop is Terramina. I've I've never been to Sicily before, so I'm looking forward to that. The G7, but I think it has been. I've, I've had the privilege of now traveling internationally with three different presidents. I've never seen a trip quite like this. But Rick, we are out of time because you know they're going to leave me behind. Man. Yeah, but stay safe. Keep traveling. We'll check back in. All right. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for listening to Powerhouse Politics. We will be back next week.